In a world that tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job, end your relationship, start a new one, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist this so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. Well, I'm here to change that. Join me and my guest every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Hello, everybody. This week, I have with me the beautiful Karen Milon. She's the author of My Amazing Divorce, also the podcast host of Healing with Karen. And we've just been talking for about 15 minutes, all things healing. She's creating this community where she's going to connect resources and teach people, inspire people about all the different modalities of healing. So this conversation is packed with tools so le- let me help well help me welcome karen to our show hello karen thanks for being here with us hi olga thank you so much for having me would you please share your journey with us all the chapters of your life wow that's a long long <laughs> way let's let's focus on divorce since that's the the, the last latest um Yes, I was, as we mentioned, um, married a very, very nice man, everything in most women's list, you know, handsome, smart, a good person, a good father, loyal, a good provider, but we, we changed and we grew apart and we had kids and what he married and what I said I would do and wanted in life completely changed as a result of being a mother and, um, what kept us together was not, we sadly didn't have a lot in common in terms of hobbies and what we like to do on our free time and our love languages. That was very apart, but what we had in common was our values and our picture of the future. And when that picture changed for me, we started fighting, kids came, our expectations, our roles changed. So it became really, really unhappy and a lot of fighting and yelling, screaming and not providing our two daughters a role model of what a loving, respectful, caring relationship was. Um, and so um, we, I started therapy as a result of being unhappy in my marriage. And also simultaneously, I had started a business with um, a partner who um, I struggled with. And so I was unhappy at work, unhappy at home, was definitely with two little kids at home, toddlers definitely the hardest time of my life I think I cried myself to sleep for two years straight it was overwhelming so I started therapy and just psychotherapy talk and decompress and understand your triggers understand why you're doing the things you're doing why perhaps you married someone who didn't have a lot in common with and Olga that I think that really helped me to understand a lot of like bring awareness and bring the subconscious to the conscious and understand why I was doing the things you're doing and and the things I wanted and the things I deserved. And one day out of the blue, 17 years together, 13 years marriage, 17 years uh, in total, both of us never strayed, never, were never disloyal. Um, And out of the blue on a business meeting I had in Chicago, for work representing my company at a conference, I met a man who was my soulmate. 
and exactly the person that I've been telling my therapist I needed and I deserved. And I met him, we spoke for four hours, he left, I left, and I came home the next day and I called my marriage quit. And I told my husband at the time, the truth, I met this guy, this is what he looks like, this is what he did, this is what he said, never expected it, never planned for it, apologized profusely for leaving him that way. But I said, you know, it's like a wake up call. It's like a midlife crisis. I was 38, 39 years old. And I, I, you know, and I said, we were really unhappy. I don't make you happy. You don't make me happy. We knew that he actually had taken his wedding ring off for a period of time. We were both unhappy. And I said, I'm not sure if this is the guy, but I know that I deserve to be with someone who loves me and gets me and enjoys life the same way I do. And I'm not sure if he'll work out or not, but I, I know we're done. And it was a focus on healing. And then after that, we tried that same therapist a little longer. We did couples therapy. We had done couples therapy before with the same therapist. But my mother is a therapist and she had talked to me about EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing for years, for 15 years since I was 20. And he, she knew I wasn't going to be happy with this guy because she's your mom and your mom knows you. <laughs> And she knew my behavior. And she said, Karen, you were very neglected. You're, you, you know, you're, and I'm like, mom, look at me. I'm doing great. I went to business school. I've started this company. I did this. Like, I don't need therapy. I'm great. I did need therapy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then, so I said, mom, I'm in so much pain and I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing for me, for him, for my kids. I want to try this EMDR. So she hooked me up with someone recommended and she did all the legwork. I went to her, Olga, twice a week, right after my breakup, like literally two weeks after I said, we're done and he's suffering, I'm suffering, the kids are suffering. And it was so therapeutic and it was so helpful for me to really dig deep and heal. It allowed me to... Uh, you know, be really conscious, be there for the kids, don't come crying to them, kind of keep composure. It helped me understand at a very deep level through EMDR why I married him and why I stayed unhappily for 17 years and how I wasn't the right wife, how I didn't love him either that way he needed to be loved and I didn't serve him the same way, you know. So it brought a lot of love and empathy to the breakup. So instead of that bitter divorce where he was bitter, he's Italian and very passionate and I know where he lives and I know where he lives, to like, I am so sorry. I love you. I, you deserve this. And we talked and we healed each other. And my mother helped him to find the right therapist. He went to therapy. I went to therapy. And Olga, our divorce went from the original two, three weeks of pain and maybe a little hatred, not, you know, like bitterness or whatever that he felt, of course, to an amazing divorce where we were walking our kids to school every day. Uh, we were going to parent-teachers interviews together. We kept having dinner together. He moved out and the transition was very loving and peaceful. And we kept, I would go to his apartment and have cooking nights with the girls, vacationing. And everyone around us was like, what the heck? Are you guys getting back together? Like what's going on? And it was that understanding of being healed and healing that he's like, you deserve better. I deserve better. And talking and asking all the questions and um, 
I pursued after a while the relationship with the man I left him for and fell hard in love, um, was my soulmate, and my ex met him, and they became best friends. Coffee, dinner, partying, my current husband going bar hopping with him, trying to pick up. Um, then I became pregnant with our third very quickly. I had no idea I was that fertile in my 40s. <laughs> Uh, we had planned the third. It just happened a lot quicker. And uh, my ex-husband was so supportive. After 17 years, your ex-wife, a year after, is knocked up with someone else. And he held my hand. We walked to school together, parent-teacher, you know, rehearsals, presentations, like friends in front of his family that I adored. And he became the godfather to our baby. And uh, we are this sort of amazing marriage where we travel together, we're friends, we have dinners. And so when I moved to New York, um, a lot of the people around me that I was meeting in my building was like, what's going on? You know, they would come over for a play date and he's like, oh, this is my ex-husband who's staying with us, you know, for the weekend. And and he's like, where's your husband? Oh, I don't know when he's coming home. It's like we started getting invited to parties, to weddings, like me and my ex and my husband and the kids. And, you know, everyone's like, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should. So I was, my career was in transition because I also left the company I had started. And between writing the book, I just said, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something with this and inspire the world to heal because the return on investment and the result of focusing on your pain and focusing on figuring out why you did the things you did and what you need to grow is so amazing when you don't feel that you get triggered anymore when you can be in a, the same room with your ex when you can uh, be there for your kids it's so amazing that my job you know slowly but surely and we talked about different ideas was to inspire the world to heal and to help them either by through my podcast and, and really exploring all the different therapies out there and healing modalities from EMDR that helped me tremendously to hypnosis, to psychedelics, to uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, through many, many more um, yoga and nutrition and eating healthy and prayer and spiritual healing and chakras and energy healing. Like, cause what worked for me will not work for you necessarily. And your appetite for adventure, like I just learned with psychedelics, I could never do, but a lot of people can. I, you know, I had a guest who like went to Ecuador, Olga, with cockroaches and frogs in the jungle. And, and, and the process requires barfing. And I'm like, and I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to heal that badly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But some people love it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like all that awareness um, yeah. So I said enough. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating how for some people, the divorce is the most traumatizing experience of their life and they need therapy after to deal with the pain of it. And it sounds in your case, in my case, divorce was the biggest gift because it actually put us into this path of learning how to heal crap that we already had that had nothing to do with our beloved exes. It was just stuff that we were carrying with us. And I've been seeing this pattern of women, what I call not midlife crisis, but midlife rises. It's the new movement of women rising. And I see it as women approaching their 40s, having had that marriage, having that what society told us, being successful. We have the white picket fence all around us and we go, 
uh, can I knock down this white picket fence? This is, eh, it's meh. And I want great. I mean, I want to go from good to greatness. And once you remove the complications of the divorce process, life opens up. And I love that you were able to maintain a fantastic relationship with your ex. But even if that doesn't happen, I mean, you're still able to build this new magical life that you did. And now you have access to all these healing modalities that I don't even know if you were aware that existed before, even with your mom being a psychotherapist, right? Right. right. So it, it, this whole, we, we think that our destiny is written once we start talking about divorce, but that's not true. And you're the perfect example that divorce and amazing can be in the same sentence. I, my company is called Divorce for Love. And the other day I was being interviewed on <laughs> the podcast and he was saying, when I first saw your Instagram, I thought that you were a meme because for me, it's like divorce for blood. Like, I, I don't understand this, but we are creating these new paradigms. And like you were saying, with healing, the whole story can change. When my clients come to me and they say, I need to get the best lawyer. I'm like the best lawyer, the most expensive lawyer is not going to get you where you want to go. Healing, doing the inner work, that's going to get you way further. So with all the modalities that you have used and you can tell us more about is EMDR your favorite? Is it like your little, is it the teacher's pet? Kind of, let, let me go back to something you said, because it's so true. I think one of the saddest things is that people get divorced and the first person is a lawyer mm. and, you know, healing or even coaching is not top of their mind. And they would save so much money if they spend that money on coaching or healing because it just grounds you and it gives you the language and the emotions and everything you need so that you can then negotiate better. I remember going to our first mediation and we were already, you know, it was like the first three weeks that there was a little bit of anger still. And just by venting to the lawyer on email was $4,000. I'm like, we could have spent that on how many therapy sessions and have come up like stuff that will last the rest of your life in benefit versus your lawyer is not your therapist. And you go there, well, she found another man and she da, da, and da, da, da. like, they don't care. Um, yeah. So because I've done so much EMDR, Olga, like, I don't know, 40, 50 sessions that I, know a lot better and I love it. I feel that the difference is that when you go to regular therapy or even cognitive behavioral therapy that works well, you understand what happened to you at a cognitive level. You understand in my, you know, after doing therapy for four years, I had the understanding clearly like, uh huh, I married my ex because my father never listened to me. He, my parents, they didn't listen to me. They never heard me. And I was used to that. So I married someone who loved me like my parents did, but didn't hear me, didn't see me, wasn't there for me. So it, getting to that awareness was huge. But you, could, you hear a lot of people going to therapy for years and feeling stuck. They're still stuck. Okay, I have this information. It does help a lot of people do things and, and behave in better ways. Um, but in order to heal, you got to go deep and you got to actually feel the pain and feel like what it was like to actually not being hurt your whole childhood. So when I did EMDR, they, you know, I would be thinking about the present and an episode that happened literally a week before I, I was done with my ex. 
which was that he wanted to go on vacation. And I would say, hey, let's not go to Miami. Let's go to Arizona or let's go to Spain. Or, And he would hear me and he would literally buy tickets to Miami, book the hotel he wanted, do what, oh, look, I got us tickets to Miami. And if I complain, it was like, what are you complaining about? You know, the hard life, you know, be kind of sarcastic. And, you know, one of my first sessions was like in a scale of one to 10, how angry you feel about not being heard you know, very angry, eight or nine. And through bilaterally stimulating your eyes, either through a machine that taps on your knees or through literally going eye to eye or picturing a tennis match, your cognitive and your emotional brain kind of marry and it allows you to, without wanting to, access the emotions and access memories that we have such skillfully hidden because we are, as Freud said, masters at repression and repressing all those sad things that happen to us we we repress them and our bodies keep it as well so I would immediately start remembering times when I was six and eight and nine that I was left alone that I had chicken pox and my parents left me with nannies and they were afraid of getting in and didn't open my door for a week and how I was bored out of my mind and my brother was teasing me all day long and and then you start feeling it and you start crying like, oh, my God, it was sad and lonely and I felt unloved and unheard. And and then you got to feel it to then release it. And then the reprocessing part of EMDR is, OK, Karen, you're 45 and oh, yeah, I was doing that at 42 or 40. What would you tell that six year old as a, as a grown up woman, as who you are right now, you know? How would you comfort her? And so you comfort her and you say, your mom and dad are working really hard. They do love you. They're working so hard to put you in the best private schools. They're just stressed and your dad got sick. You know what I mean? Like you start processing things that you don't understand at eight when you are neglected or emotionally abused, or you have an overbearing critical mother on you. You don't think you don't stop loving your mother. You stop hating yourself. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Why, why is she criticizing me all the time? Or why am I not good enough for her to come and see me while I'm sick? Or so you start internalizing all those negative beliefs that is only through a very deep healing modality, like EMDR, like hypnosis, like psychedelics, like RTT, that get you to go back there, feel it, heal it, understand it as a rational person. And then Olga, Research has shown 70% of the time it works and you're done. And it's not like a lot of the things we do in coaching, like be positive and don't tell yourself that. And you don't have to give yourself love every day to feel good or to get ready for the podcast. I'm great. No, you feel great. You act from that space of healing that you don't need anybody's reassurance. You can have people unfriend you or say something nasty and you feel good. You feel powerful because you really have healed. So, I mean, so EMDR, yes, has done wonders for me. I use it for very little things like, you know, um, a month ago I had an issue with pricing something and I'm like, why am I having issues with this? EMDR and money, oh my God, I didn't know I had so many issues with money growing up and, and in my marriage. I used it six months ago. I would get activated to see my husband play Barbies with my daughter for an hour and a half. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Why are you... Every time you feel triggered, you feel defensive, you feel angry, you overreact is something that needs to be healed. Having said that, I have some fears 
that I've done two or three sessions of EMDR or things as a mother that I want to improve. Like I have a very zero to, um, short temper on, on noise. And when the kids start like, and like screaming and fighting or, or dancing and singing and, and or tickling, I get very neurotic and all this healing host <laughs> disappears. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I know that kids are being kids. Like I said, most of the time they're having fun. Um, and I've gone to two different EMDR sessions and they haven't worked. So I, I'm about to interview a hypnotherapist and she actually was talking about training in hypnotherapy 20 years ago and she wanted to do it with her hate of noise. And she was able to go back to when she was two. So hypnotherapy uh, helps you heal parts of your nonverbal stage, things you can't remember. So I'm horrified to kind of find out something I don't want to find out. And, but I'm more committed to not being that awful mother when my kids start playing and being loud. Um, so I'm going to explore that. So, I mean, I, yes, I think EMDR, I send a lot of my clients there, but some of them can remember sad things in their childhood. And it's more behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy where they have to change the way they think. And, and change the emotions and the behaviors based on how they think. And it's proven to work as well. So the good thing is understanding all these modalities and trying to find what's right for you because there are terrible therapists out there for you or as well. And, and even not choosing the right uh, healing modality may be more counterproductive. Like you were saying, uh, the one going to Ecuador to the jungle may just totally screw you because you're not prepared for it. But for other people, is just what they need for me healing is like diets what may work for your body type and your lifestyle may not work for me the problem is that up until now i feel that society has worked with one model you go to see the, ther the therapist okay that's all we have nowadays we live in this abundant world where we have a million different modalities and in your podcast you are exposing us to all of them so for me it's the difference between having an iphone with one app and one app only or 60 apps and depending on what you need you go there and say, okay, this is what I need for me. For some people, the kind of trauma that they live through their life, it's almost like these uh, tattoos that you can remove with water. So, you know, they go and take a shower, it's gone. So they go and talk to the therapist, talk therapy works for them. For other people, they have tattoos that have been tattooed into their, into their skin. You need laser to remove that, okay? That's such great analogy. That's, that's how I feel with some of the healing that I've had to do for me came through hypnosis and it came oh, wow. the same medicine that you were talking about ayahuasca in costa rica puking my guts out and going all the way back oh my god my birth and actually going like i don't know what all this is about i cannot remember this shit but then calling my mother and saying mother did this happen they're going yep exactly just as you're describing it and this is <sighs> giving birth and the shit that came up was like huh no wonder then i have all these other issues there is no way I could have gone to therapy for a hundred years. That memory is not there for me to recall, but it's in my tissues. It's kept somewhere in my body and it was playing tricks. And like you were saying, you know, those triggers, the, why do some people get triggered with noise and others don't? Well, after an, a session with Ayahuasca, I remember coming home and my children, they were all running and spinning around and jumping. 
And I was delighted. I felt like freaking oh. Santa Claus. I was like, come and sit in my lap. This is wonderful. Oh, Olga, that's so amazing. That is the benefit. That is the benefit. I have spent 17 years freaking out over oh. noise. And even my husband, he was opening this super noisy chip bag. And I'm like leaving a WhatsApp message. I grabbed his arm, like looked at him like I was going to kill him. I'm like, I'm so sorry, my love. Like, I don't want to do that. So why not? But it's scary. Oh, my God, you're way braver than I am, Olga. It, but again, it's the pain to me. It's like that sentence. Once the pain is so unbearable, you'll work on it. So for me, I remember thinking, Am I, am I so strange that this noise makes me so overstimulated? And I kept telling, you know, like my ex-husband couldn't understand it. And I was like, it's not me being picky. It's not me being, it's like literally you just put a leaf blower on my ear and I stress. It's like a PTSD reaction. And, you know, you can't spend your I day. I don't even vacuum for that reason. Oh, I, to me, it's like people, I'm, I'm having my head canceling noise <laughs> thingies and I, I can't hear a thing. It's almost like, autistic behavior but it's just trauma that's been stored in my body and again I was able to go there not a memory that I ever would have recalled I still don't know what age I was but I remember it, apparently the memory was that I was in my room and I was singing and dancing but I was disturbing my father who was passed out my father had a drinking habit that was quite extreme and he was having his siesta and then he came into the room stormed into the room and you know had a good beating because I was annoying him and so in in that moment as a kid mm. I just correlated those two you cannot make yeah. noise or danger will come storming through the door through your caregiver yeah it's my my the my woman kid. I'm interviewing her too she had her recall that to her parents fighting and throwing cutlers throwing dishes and breaking and exactly. then at four, um, the door was banging and she was beside it. And it was horrific. And someone came to tell her her father had died. Like she had no idea. And she just obviously noise is associated with trauma and Correct. being any, hurt. Any, and any door slamming, mm. that meant, oh, shit, we're going to have to call for help because our parents was get, were getting into an argument. So now when my children scream or make a loud noise, my immediate reaction is, there is danger. We've got to act. So my, my nervous system goes into overdrive and there is no talking about it that will get me there. It was just going through this process where literally the purging purges, yes, physical, but also energetically. And those memories get released. They, you go back and you understand, oh, that's why it's happening. Okay. Well, it's all good. It's safe. And then you can be in that environment, environment where they're making all the noise in the world. And you're like, let me sing with you children. <laughs> Just amazing. That's where I want to get now. <laughs> well, I, I would say, you know, if it's calling you, it's calling you. If not, like we were saying, there are a million different modalities. For me, it just felt like, you know what? Um, with some diseases, we have to use chemotherapy. For me, that plant medicine is chemotherapy for my soul. And for some aspects of my healing is needed. For other aspects, I can go easier, you know, like, I don't need such strong dose, but there are parts of my life that without that, I would have gotten stuck. And I remember with my divorce, all this shit came to the forefront. <laughs> there was no one session of therapy that could have handled that. I have a post, I have a post like, I don't know, eight months ago, and it's like a, a door with dishes falling. I'm like, the problem with healing is once you open that door, <laughs> it just falls all in your, it's so, you know, it is. You know, I say a lot. No, very few of us had a perfect childhood. I say very, very few of us. 
give me one person that doesn't have a physical scar on their body, even if it's from the, you know, smallpox or whatever. And then I'll give you the, the, okay, maybe somebody didn't have emotional scarring, but we all broke something growing up. We all fell. We all, and so with our emotions, we all got hurt and doesn't have to bring blame into our parenting, you know, how our parents raised us. No, it's just, you know, we get bumped around. Our hearts get bumped and crushed and hurt. We just have to get to a point in our lives, which like I was saying, I think that a lot of women now are stepping up and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. How do I heal myself? Sometimes it means they have to leave partners behind. Sometimes they get the relationships better, but it all starts with doing the inner work. And Oh my gosh, Karen, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. And I know we were talking at the beginning how we are moms and we have uh, partners that we want to devote our attention and yet we also want to help the world heal. I think that that's what the world needs. I was joking in my last trip to Costa Rica. It was just over Christmas. And with all the madness in the world, I remember saying, if all these people who are you know, in charge of everything and messing things up, will take a cup of ayahuasca, I think that it <laughs> world will be a very different place whatever modality of healing if all the people started really putting as much emphasis on the inner work as we do with the outer world man i think that we'll have a different i could not agree more i wrote on my book um that i think that what's deeply wrong with the world today is due to a lack of healing crime uh, you know gun use suicides uh, all this, you know, we spend so much money incarcerating people, uh, giving them a criminal record for having pod or doing a, an offense that is because they grew up in violence. They grew up in trauma. They grew up with that. Then instead of giving them a criminal record and ruining their life forever where they can't rent a house, they can't get a job, get them in therapy, get them in EMDR, in ayahuasca, in hypnosis, get them to heal that wounded child. Same in jail. People spend $40,000 a year per criminal. I mean, billions of dollars. Uh, and there's no revalidation, re like serious healing. Send everyone to an ayahuasca trip and, and help them, you know, help them change their life. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a global need for healing. Yeah, it's one of my um, objectives to create a scholarship where I can provide this service like hey if you want to go to Costa Rica because unfortunately like all the good things in life is not legal in America but you can go to Costa Rica it's perfectly legal the centers there are equipped to treat you and I just want to be able to say look money cannot be the excuse if you really need this go and get it because I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Gabor Mate he's yeah I love him yeah right amazing yes. guy and what he's done with people with addictions he totally made me change my perception about addictions from people who, you know, they just want to escape to people who are deep in pain. And he was saying the majority yeah. of the people that he worked with, they were sexually abused victims that never got the healing that they needed. And so to me now, when I think about what you were just saying, incarceration, uh, even exile, you know, like we, we sometimes let people stay in our society, but we exile them emotionally man, those are people who are hurting. Those are the ones that need the, the love the most. And that's all we, healing is just a reconnection to the loving part of us, to trusting in the world and be like, okay, it's a safe place. And yeah, I just hope that with your work, with my work, with everybody that is- Well, let me know how I can help you and join your quest for the same thing. Cause I, it's just incredible. 
It is. Thank you, Karen. Karen, I have a couple of questions before we have to go, which is so sad because what a conversation. But I wanted to ask you, where do you see the world heading to the world's next great chapter? Oh my God, the world, you know, I do see a movement towards healing. I just with the election and that, uh, you know, people are talking about, we need to heal. Um, you know, even I saw a fundraiser of a, a person who owns a big football team and now he's spending money on mental health and healing, you know, things like I'm saying, and a lot of people are saying, if we can join our forces and join our, 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 our energies to drive the same message to let's spend more money on healing you know, healing people who needed the communities, everyone in the border who got sent back and got their children away. I mean, those are how many thousands of traumatized kids who are going to become criminals without healing, you know? So that's where I see the world that, you know, we, we do need to understand healing better, demystify it in the stigma and talk about this amazing thing, like getting, you know, a glass of wine and getting drunk and feeling great or getting high or whatever, you know, it's, it is that good yeah. when you feel the way you felt that you had so many years of yelling and, and not tolerating something to being like, you know, it's okay. Let's be noisy <laughs> or, or, or God knows with everything, you know, you know, we suffer so much because someone didn't say hi to us in the corner because someone said this, because someone said that, you know, if we could love ourselves and heal ourselves, we just end suffering at a micro level and a macro level, let alone, you know, passing it on to our children. Because that's, in my opinion, the main reason to do it is like, we may have screwed up the first half of our lives, but let's make sure that our children have a chance right from the get-go. And again, this is not about blame. This is not about let's raise the standards. This is just about awareness and saying, hey, if I mess up today, I'm really sorry. I'm just going to try and not do it tomorrow. But yeah, awareness on healing, I think is huge. That's, that's the first step. And also what you said about there is not as much stigma. I remember, especially growing up in Spain, I guess you were saying Colombia as well, um, the the stigma of, oh, I'm going to therapy was like, what is wrong with you? Like you would not talk about it. Whereas nowadays it's almost like, I'm not going to therapy. What is wrong with you? You're not going to therapy. <laughs> so I, It's I not like that way in a lot of places. I, I do hear that in, in California, they have a way more uh, open-mindedness with therapy here. It's still a bit of stigmatized, sadly. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's give it another few years. <laughs> With your, post with your podcast and my work, we're going to change that. And yes. where do you see your next great chapter for your life? It's coming next. My great chapter is to keep doing what I just started to doing. I just started the podcast a year ago. I am super excited. I actually have a list of about 10 different uh, healing modalities that I had never heard from that are coming out that are work similarly or differently. Um, and continue to inspire people to heal, continue to become a really good coach that I can effectively and quickly help people get to what's blocking them, get to what's keeping them stuck, help them heal through connecting them to the right resources and the right modalities and helping people one person at a time. That's amazing, Karen. So for everybody that wants to talk to you, and like I said at the beginning, I think that you're the healing concierge. You can direct people into the right modality. If somebody wants to contact you, what's the best place? 
Um, probably on Instagram with Healing with Karen or on my new website coming up, healing.net, healing without the G, uh, heal in, mm-hmm. um, and on my podcast as well, Healing Perfect. with Karen Millen. I'll put all the links down below. And thank you so much, Karen, for being here for all the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you, Olga. It's been such a pleasure. And for everybody else, I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I just love hearing from you. You can also follow my journey on my Instagram account at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes. See you next week.